Hello and welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer Podcast with Adam Glinsky and Albert Imperato, where we help men communicate and build empathy. Today on the show, we have a very special guest, Henry, but to start the show off, we're going to talk about some current events and what's behind Albert right now. So you got some fun artwork on your wall. Tell us a little about that. Well, uh, once again, this is something that came about through my Instagram feed. Um, Many, many years ago, we're talking 25 years ago. Okay. My friend played in a band. Uh, my best friend played in a band called Drunken Boat. And, <laughs> and yeah, it's inspired by a Rambo poem. <laughs> and they were kind of a loud alternative uh, band that played in the legendary CBGB oh, wow. club downtown all the time. And so I kind of lived there. Uh, hearing my buddy playing uh, in this band, Drunken Boat. And the lead singer was uh, this really intense, charismatic guy named Todd Colby. And uh, Todd, just he was an incredible performer, um, just, in, just crazy volcanic energy, uh, just, just amazing what he did on stage. And frankly, I was a little intimidated by him. I always felt like, you know, I'm not cool enough for this dude. And I'm... <laughs> Mr. Classical Music guy, and I, you know, what could I possibly have in, in common with Todd? But he was always, he was always slyly warm towards me. He sort of hinted at warmth, but wasn't particularly warm. And, um, but we liked each other quietly, I think. Anyway, um, he, the band split up. They actually have a recording. You go on Spotify and look for Drunken Boat. Still the best cover of Low Rider you've ever heard. It's amazing. Okay, yeah. yeah my, my, my buddy Glenn is uh, on the bass. He actually learned the bass to join the band when the, when the band lost their bass player. Right on. They, right. Were, they were touring the country. They were amazing. Um, the band broke up. I totally fell out of touch with Todd. And one day, I started seeing comments on some of my posts that had this kind of surreal, funny, uh, offbeat um, humor to them. And they were familiar. And I was, I just kept thinking, who is this person? Um, and the, the feed was lemon concrete was the name of the feed. And, uh, I saw one or two posts, uh, about engineer boots. There were a pair of engineer boots that he loved from John oh, Lofgren. Yeah. And that didn't give me any clues, but one day, just one of the posts remind me of the, the tone of his humor. And I just said, could this possibly be Todd Colby? And sure enough, it was Todd Colby. <laughs> and uh, since the days of Drunken Boat, uh, Todd had gone on to a rather accomplished life as a, a, a painter, mm-hmm. a poet. I mean, he done, he's done all kinds of poetry uh, events. He's written a lot of poetry books. He's, um, and he's done a lot of beautiful visual art. It, a lot of it's very playful, funny, sort of darkly satirical, like bizarre. You just look at them and you're like, okay, I'm not quite sure what's going on here, but it's hilarious. The works that I picked up, I've lived in this apartment since the 80s, the mid-80s. We had nothing on the walls, and it was an embarrassment. So having reestablished contact with Todd, which was that could be the subject of a whole show. Maybe we'll get him on in the future. Yeah, we should. Um, you know, I've gone out and seen his, his uh, studio. We've hung around. We've become friends again. I've met his, his girlfriend. Uh, just been, it's been a, a really fun time, but um, I really fell in love with his artwork. And it turns out, I have a lot of blank walls because I'm too lazy and uninspired to collect <laughs> art. So out of nowhere, uh, I was falling in love with his art. I said, I'm going to get Todd Colby art in my p- apartment. So this is one of the, the recent ones that I bought. They're very colorful. Um, 
they're beautiful. This is, this is really made, I'll just show you. This has really yeah. made my life uh, richer and happier having these beautiful pictures up. You know, and every morning I'm having my coffee and it's like, oh, Todd. And uh, they're beautiful. And um, I'll, maybe in the show notes, we can give people a link to go check them out. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, we'll drop that affordable. Uh, they are track. affordable too. So if you've never purchased art, mm-hmm. you're not going to get a better way. Give, give a painting for Christmas. Yeah. I mean, maybe don't buy, don't buy that 25th pair of salvage denim jeans. <laughs> buy a painting. Yeah. So that's, that's, how, that's how Todd's come back into my life and we become friends again. I'd love to see him more, more often. Man, he also happens cool. to have one of the great collections of workwear I've never seen just shirt after shirt and they're all great and beautiful and, and, and boots and, and denim. He's, he's a remarkable guy. Yeah. So yeah, very cool. Yeah, sure you're going to want to meet him. Um, but yeah, kind of what you were saying before, um, you were in the original CBGBs, like Ramones, like so many cool bands played there. Um, and you're also in the performing arts and, you know, musical arts, um, department in there. What have you kind of noticed in the shift, um, between like going to live shows and live performances nowadays? Cause Whenever I've gone to concerts in the, you know, in the recent years, instead of the lighters being held up, they're cell phones now. And, you know, people are taking selfies and people are taking pictures and, you know, and, and no one has lighters anymore because you can't smoke in theaters, which one thing I, I like, but, um, you know, everyone's recording it. Everyone's on there. But in your world, you know, people are in auditoriums, they're in concert halls where they're sitting down, you know, no cell phones allowed, you know, the, the loudspeaker and the announcer says that. So what have you kind of noticed um, from, you know, the, the days of the, the 80s to, you know, modern times now with, uh, you know, live performances? Well, I mean, there's, there's basically two things. First of all, I would like to see the social conventions in, in concert halls relax. I would just, I, when I see an usher go up to a teenage kid in a New York Philharmonic concert and just go, shh, quiet, like an act <laughs> like it's like a state sin yeah. that they want to take a picture of the orchestra. That that's ridiculous, and I I hate that. So I would I I'm just like, why you're encouraging that kid to hate being here? You know, like why are you doing that? Yeah, that that I would love to stop, but that's not going to stop too too soon. Mm -hmm. But there's been a sort of an alternative uh, direction and movement where uh, classical musicians are performing in alternative venues, and so you're getting I don't know, did you ever hear of uh, La Poisson Rouge? It's on Bleecker Street here in Manhattan, and it was (laughs) set up to basically be an art bar it's cafe tables and they have you know jazz and world music and and rap and everything else coming in and then they have classical shows and you can sit with your you can sit with your drink and hear Bach and and you'll hear the clink of the cocktails and no yeah. the world didn't end and yes every once in a while it's a slow movement of a Beethoven sonata and it's you hear somebody drop a glass or or they spill the ice in the sink and you're like god that sucked but the, it's much more the other direction of, ah, let's exhale together and enjoy music yeah. and not be so uptight about, about the packaging. So it's both trends. And I do think, I mean, every once in a while now, concert halls, will, they're doing like sippy cups sometimes. So you bring your cocktail back in the auditorium in a sippy cup, which... Yeah, I saw a comedy show day. and I had my little sippy cup there. I was, I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's not the sexiest way to have a cocktail. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying. They're working on it. And, yeah, I don't want to denigrate. You know, you make a beautiful, deep piece of, of music. You want people to pay attention. So I understand wanting quiet. But, you know, come on. 
you know, I'm sure during, uh, there's stories of Chopin and Liszt and the great virtuosos of the 19th century. They were like circus shows. The shows would go on for a long time. People would walk in and out of the theater. People were doing all kinds of crazy shit and making lots of noise. It wasn't just some sort of sacred, con- you know, sacred uh, space. Like yeah, that's what today. you were saying before. It was like Beethoven was like the original rock star in kind of his, you know, environment. Do you think, how do you think his perspective of today's, um, you know, uh, I would say performances lead to there and like the conversations and the um, kind of communication around, you know, those performances too? You know, we're going to have to have a separate show on Beethoven. I was thinking he could Probably. be sort of, no, I'm, I'm really serious. Yeah. He is um, one of our afflicted, one of our sort of afflicted men that we're we're, we're fascinated by. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a a whole topic for a show because he was a, here was a man who was socially isolated. He was hungering for a woman in his life and never got one. He was deemed sort of a a freak. He had bad, bad communication issues because he was, he was deaf. So it was hard for him to talk to people in a social setting and he was a kind of a sad character being so isolated. He was the poster boy of social isolation, to be perfectly honest. And um, so, um, you know, I think, I think we should make him sort of honorary. 2020 is the 250th anniversary of his, of his birth. We're going to do a whole Beethoven show. We're going to talk about Beethoven trying to find a woman, Beethoven, you know, basically stealing his brother's son and sort of adopting him just because he just wanted to have a kid and wasn't married and basically, you know, demonized the kid's uh, real mother. And it was, it was a really crazy thing. And also he's living in a time of revolution. That guy was preaching the brotherhood that what you're seeing on the streets of Hong Kong and Chile and, and the, the fight across the globe for, for democracy. Beethoven was part of that fire was part of that fire in 250 years ago. So he would recognize the spirit totally he would get it he maybe be writing music for the hong kong people to sing in the streets yeah that's kind of why i I brought him up because i knew he would you know he had that fire he had that passion for brotherhood and you know that's one thing that we're we're very you know passionate about here is you know strengthening the bonds between men having them able to be communicated communicating well and you know strengthening relationships because he had such a rough time you know it was hard hard for him that day and age but now that we have all this technology i mean think of what he would have done with an iphone you know or a hearing aid or a cochlear implant like so much could have been done you know and it we're very blessed to have what we have today um so we kind of need to embrace that and embrace you know the differences and embrace the faults so yeah that's really really well put i i think um you know, I'm very excited in the year 2020 that we can make a big push and maybe uh, make some people listen to Beethoven who haven't listened in a while. Because the music, I mean, it's no less fresh for me. I've been listening obsessively to it since the 1980s. I, I, there's not really hardly a day that I don't listen to Beethoven in some form. And it's infinitely rich because it goes from very, very public to very, um, you know, public revolutionary, you know, the spirit like the Ninth Symphony, Allah mentioned Verden Bruder, all men become brothers in the singing of the choral finale of the Ninth Symphony. He goes from something as big as it got ever for art. And then he goes to a, a string quartet with a, a slow movement that is so tender and s- time kind of stops. He embraces the whole full, the entirety of our humanity. So that he's, he's going to be on our show. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, gotta we got to put him on the show. But speaking of putting someone on the show, yes, Henry's gonna. We're gonna want to reach Henry. And do you want me to tell you a little bit about Henry, or do you want to just get him on and we'll 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 tell you a little bit once he comes on the show? Yeah, let's um let's uh you know get him on here and then we'll give him a brief intro and then we have some questions prepared for him. So we'll get that going. All right, guys, we'll be back in just a moment. All right, we're back for the Veer Vulnerabilities Veer podcast. We've got Henry on here. So, Albert, I know you have a couple questions set up for him. So, go ahead and take it away. Um, yeah, I mean, Henry. Henry's an important person in my life, and uh, just very for very b- brief background, uh, Henry Lohmeyer is his name. You could find him on Instagram. I found him on Instagram, and I, I basically. Um, started a a very, very deep, deep friendship with Henry. It's probably less than a year old, our friendship, but it feels like a life friendship. Um, Henry liked one of my photos. It was actually a pair of mock toe boots that Adam himself owns, a black pair of Red Wings. And I looked, I said, who's this guy, Henry Lohmeyer, just like my picture. And I went to his uh, feed and Henry, I was like, wow, this serious art photographer liked one of my photos. And I felt very like grateful, like, wow. And I, I had to ask, like, why is this really interesting artistic photographer? Uh, you know, I, I got to know about this guy a little bit. So I asked you very simply, um, you know, Henry, not only are your pictures gorgeous, but your, your captions are, they're amazing. They're haunting. Everything about your feed is haunting it makes you think about beauty it makes you think about uh loneliness it makes you think about uh you know our vulnerability which is appropriate given what we're talking about but you said to me do you want the short version or the long version (laughs) remember i do remember albert i do and you told me the long version because of course i had to have the long version and that's uh, the way you are man the long version involved you and Paris, which is always a fascinating subject, and a project that you went to Paris for. Could you, t- could you tell us w- why you went to Paris? And tell us maybe a little bit about Paris for you. Well, um, <laughs> um, I love you. And I, I, yeah, you, you're, you're a brother. Um, I... Uh, went to Paris because I saw the uh, movie uh, Salt of the Earth, uh, recommended to me by a friend of mine, Kelda Long from South Africa. And it's about um, Sebastian Salgado, the photographer and humanitarian. And up until then, photography has always been about how it can save me. And when I watched this film, I realized what, you know, I thought about what can I give back to to this? I've been taking so much, but what can I give back? And so I went to Paris to photograph refugees. And I picked Paris or France because I could somewhat speak the language 
so it seemed a little safe. And, uh, but what I found was not safe and so, so beautiful. Um, so I think when I got back is when we first met, right? I think so. Yeah. You were, when you first contacted me, you were already in upstate New York? Um, <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'd gone through New Orleans and then come back, yeah, yeah. And you took some really stunning images of refugees and, and you've shared a couple of them on your feed and you're working on putting a book together. Yeah, it's still in the work. And, I'm, you know, the thing is, is that, and I know you guys will get this, is that, you know, I'm scared of it. Like, it's not finished, and I know it's overdue, and I'm just scared of failing. Like, that's not going to be all that I want it to be. And so... But you succeeded in collecting enough images for a book, so you've already succeeded in some very fundamental way, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Huh. One thing I have to say about that is, you know, part of the, the art process is, you know, um, imagining it, creating it. And the last part is sharing it. And that's definitely the hardest part for me too. You know, I, I held back releasing mm. some of my music for so long because I'm like, this has to be perfect. And there's this thing, you know, perfection paralysis where you're so just, you know, enamored in this has to be perfect this is my little baby you know and once i put it out into the world it just has to be so you know the way i always dreamed it but that's rarely the case and a couple of things really helped me out uh one was the phrase done is better than perfect and that has just led me through and through and just kind of uh you know really just allowed me to kind of get things going because hey you know you can always revise you can always redo you know what you can always apologize for your mistakes you know, if you screw up or something comes out bad, hey, so what? I screwed up. You know, I found out a way to not do this. And kind of like the, uh, you know, the old light bulb, Thomas Edison things is I found a thousand ways to not make a light bulb. So for me, when, when I kind of hear that stuff is just, hey, done's better than perfect. And even if you fail, you still learned more than not doing anything. So I would say release the book, man. We want to see it. And I, I saw the PDF of the book, and uh, it, it has all of the haunting qualities of, of Henry's uh, Instagram feed. And uh, I've seen the book. And yeah. um, I would love to see it out in the world, and that's, hopefully we'll, we'll get it out in the world. And, but um, tell us a little bit about the refugee. I think you obviously identify with the refugee. Tell us. Sure. Tell us a little bit about. about about what a refugee is to you? Um, they're children. They're 16 and 20 years old, maybe. Um, they're joyous. They are, um, my God, they're brave. They're so fucking brave. Oh, uh, sorry, my language. Totally. I can swear, we're an explicit podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, they're so brave. You have no idea. They're in a place that they don't know. And they still smile. 
who of us can say that? Who of us can truly say that, that we are in a place that we don't know and we smile? They did. It's one of them called back there every fucking day. Is that they gave me so much more than I could ever give. And, um, you know, uh, sorry. Well, that's, that's sort of the, the antithesis of. Thank you. The antithesis of people who have their home and they, they live in abundance and they, they don't smile at all because they, they've, uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, have closed their, their heart up to the rest of the world and it doesn't really matter. And like you said, I think, that's what, I think that's what we do as men. Like, um, we have this um, gauge that we feel like we need to meet. Um, and, uh, uh, hey, do you remember, did you build clubhouses? I did. Like at a treehouse kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, I had this friend when I was growing up, his name is Warren, and uh, we built clubhouses. We had this amazing clubhouse. It was nine rooms. We had our own room to sleep. In a common room where we always had a pack of bubble yum. Do you remember bubble yum? Big bubbles, right? The monster bubbles. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I just remember that that was a time when boys, us, like relied on one another. Like we were okay crying with one another. And somehow when we turned like 15, I mean, you name an age, I don't know. The, the boy became another, like a threat. And I just, I don't know if that makes sense, but. I don't think it really has to, you know, there's, there's definitely something that changes. My brother and I growing up, you know, we were really, really close. And then, yeah, I'd say, you know, 13, 14, 15, you know, mm -hmm. we started, you know, fighting with each other and exactly. out macho each other and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> do all that, you know, something definitely changes, but what's it also changes. cool about that. Yeah is you know in the recent years once we've kind of like calmed down and settled down a little bit we're we're back to kind of you know rekindling that relationship and rekindling our brotherhood oh yeah no no well well, well said really well said um my brother and i are the same way um mm -hmm. he's eight years older and we've never been closer uh than we are now but at that time it was just stupid right yeah, we're, I think we're all trying to figure that out. You know, what happens in, in that period of your life where you get so angry and you get so defensive or you feel, you know, you have to compete with other people. That's, that's kind of something we're, we're trying to discover here. So you felt that, you know, with you and Warren? There's, there's a lot of studies that talk about the, the culture of high school, the environment of high school. And, uh, there's actually was a book called, I think it was called Jefferson's Children by uh, Leon Botstein, the president uh, of Bard College. And it was basically that 
high school was a torture chamber. It was nothing. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. He actually, here's the, he's actually the youngest uh, man ever to be a co- president of a college. Uh, so this is a guy who knows his stuff. Um, and uh, he uh, basically argued for the, the discontinuation of high school because they were basically just torture places where kids learned how to abuse each other. And he advocated for a whole new system, and I don't want to go into educational policy and all that stuff. But there's no doubt um, social pressure rises. Our level and ability to execute uh, more complicated forms of cruelty towards each other, we become aware of our powers. And unfortunately, becoming aware of our powers, we become, some of us have that a mixture of it, but some of us become very aware of our destructive powers. And, and for whatever reason, we're forced to it, we're whatever might bring out those qualities. Um, we're also, we're, we're also, uh, those powers come to life in terms of our intellect, in terms of our thinking of ideals and beautiful things, beautiful thoughts as well. And those things then fight, fight for our soul for the rest of our lives, essentially. And, it, and some of us don't survive, I think, to a certain degree, the scarring that goes on at that period. And we go through life not understanding that moment, that beautiful moment that you explained and 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 i i think a lot of people can relate to trying to recapture recapture that smiling that smiling child uh in the face of of uh being lost and being alone and being maybe feeling abandoned and abused um is that a little bit henry use a phrase as a hashtag in your feed um broken is beautiful uh, there's a, oh, a so feeling, beautiful. there's a feeling in that phrase of um, of what you just described of accepting that something gets broken in us and we have to live somehow in peace with that thing being broken. Where where did that phrase come from? Is is that something you took borrowed from someone? Is it something that just came to you? No, I, um, well, first of all, I'm broken as fuck. So <laughs> yeah, um, I. No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I, I mean, meaning that I didn't, I don't think I took it from someone. It was just something I felt. Um, but I wanted to feel for like two seconds, if only for two seconds, that I'm okay. And, um, And I know this word is like, I want to be normalized. I want to be, I want to feel that everyone else sees me as okay. And I'm drawn to those that see me as okay. And Albert, that's why this is like an unplanned, beautiful segue. So enjoy. (laughs) Um, Albert, this is why I was drawn to you is that you normalized me. You made me feel like I'm okay. And I hadn't felt like that in four fucking ever. So I found your feed, thought it was a uh, retail. Because there's so many fucking boots. <laughs> and you, oh, come on, dude, you know this. <laughs> boots and and jackets so what am i to do right so we connected and you said right away can we facetime tomorrow 
Um, I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, I'll try something new. Dude, one of the things I wanted to find out, and I, I, I was like, I got to get in on the ground floor and buy some of this man's photos before I can't afford them. Oh, stop. <laughs> you can afford them. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I mean, uh, you know, first of all, um, you know, I'm, I'm very touched by what you said, and I'm very, very moved. Well, I just, I know, I know. I, I, I just think that men need to learn to love one another. Like, love another man. I, and I loved you immediately. I, 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 um, well, the okay, normal, you can cut this out if you want. I don't care. The normalization, the normalization thing that you talked about is, uh, <clears throat> first of all, fundamentally, we are all normal. If, if, no, if, if, if all of us aren't, then none of us are. Because to me, it's, it's, it's a very arbitrary word. Uh, yeah. Normal is defined in, in a, in a, in a, in a ridiculous way, in a way it's, 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 it's a phrase that doesn't exist because even between things that look exactly alike are an infinity of difference, an infinity of difference between things that look exactly alike. What, what two any things look exactly alike. Even twins don't look exactly alike, even identical twins. So, so that's a fundamental thing. And I don't know, I get, I don't really know how to describe it, but, but I, I, I think partially my desire to feel loved and accepted by people uh, means simply that I want to love and accept other people. That doesn't mean that I'm, I want to FaceTime them all. And I wanted to FaceTime you because I saw the poetry in your pictures. I saw that you were my age. It's fun to look out on Instagram and not see someone who's uh, half my age or a third, you know, two thirds, my, a third my age. I love that I was looking at a guy <laughs> with gray hair. I looked at him in the in in the in the in the camera. And was like, my God, this guy looks like me. We got black glasses with little dots and gray hair. So you were familiar to me. And this is me. here's my confession, my reverse confession. Since you said that beautiful thing that you said, is that I did not know when I Facetimed you that I was at a lonely time in my life, and I was at a lonely time in my life uh, because we, some we, of my best we friends. Both, we both we were. We both yeah. were. That's. Yeah. Some of my best friends had left New York and, and um, I was at a lonely time and I wanted to talk to someone. I was like, this guy looks like he's been around the block a couple of times. <laughs> and then you told me something else that kind of, in, in remember <laughs> when you said the long version of your story, you very quickly told me that you were, you were dealing with complications in your life that were brought about by, by issues with alcohol. And I yeah. only bring that up because you told me you told me in advance it was okay to, I, to mention. Yeah, that. of course, of course. And that was um, that was very powerful to me that you shared that with me. So that was like, wow, this guy's willing to tell me that. That said a lot. Yeah, look, I'm dry, and I, I say I'm dry because I still have issues around alcohol. Like I still am a dick sometimes. Um. I still fall short so many times, but I'm dry. Um, I, I love the term, I'm in long-term recovery. Because it doesn't mean that you have to be, you don't have to count days. Um, 
It just means you have to show up, right? So I've been good so far. I'm pretty sure I won't drink today. And I probably won't drink tomorrow. But other than that, I don't know. Um, it's just where I am. Um, I, I'm happiest when I'm sober. Uh, I'm strongest when I'm sober. I create the best when I'm sober. Um, so that's what I want. Is there is there uh, a one key element that or a couple of elements that help you in this recovery process? What are the are there certain phrases? Are there certain habits, or routines, or support groups? What, what do you? Oh remember? yeah, well, well, I'm not a big AA guy. I'm not a big AA guy, but I think it has its strength. Um, do not isolate. I tend to isolate. <laughs> yeah, we've talked um, about that. Yeah, I know we have our going to the library on Saturday. <laughs> I love that idea. Um, I feel lost so many times. Like I just, you know, um, the one thing I would say is just to anyone who's struggling is to not, do not, I was drunk in a closet. I hid my I hid my drinking so well. Do not hide your sobriety in a closet. Like rejoice it, like sing it, like bring it, like fucking bring it. Like if you're sober, put it on your shirt. Uh, one of the things I, I, I um, you talked, you and I have talked about your, your being an introvert. Um, I'm just curious. Do you think that your, your belief that you're an introvert is about fear of, I mean, cause you reached out to me and you were so open with me. So I'm like, wow, this guy, I, the idea that he's an introvert is, is um, I almost, I almost don't get that so, does, so much, but at the same token, there must be something, something that you feel like, is it fear of rejection? Is it just you rather just be alone? You're, you're a guy who just likes to do your work and doesn't want to be bothered. Is what? What's the? What's what do you think is the driver of that of that introvert hmm. quality? <laughs> That's an amazing question. <laughs> um, we only have some big ones here, dude. <laughs> I know. And it's shit. Also, Adam's here. Like he's like our lifeline. Like Adam could bail us out if we if we get lost. No, we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, That's you amazing. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. What? Okay. Adam. Ed, oh my God. That's an amazing question. Um, I think that um, Albert. It's a lot of fear. Um, let me, let me think for just two seconds. Hmm. It's the dearest question I've been asking in a long time. Um, I'm scared. It's why I'm not together with anyone. It's why we're, sometimes... We're married and have two 
kids. I just want to get that out in the record, if you don't mind me saying so, right? You have two sons that are very, very, very dear to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the, they're the reason, you know, they're the relationships I got right. Um, but a great model. I had my dad. My dad was this amazing guy. He's just this amazing guy. Um, you were friends with your dad, and he wasn't just a, a dad. Um, no, we... <laughs> You, you, you talked to your dad. You guys really had, I, I know you've often quoted him and you said beautiful, you know, I, uh, many times when we talk, you say, oh, my dad told me this. Yeah, the last year of his life, we were together every day. Breakfast, we had meet every meal together for the last year of his life. Um, full of wisdom, was he, was he also full of joy in life? Oh, my dad loved life. He loved life. Um, he was afraid that I was going to be scared of life. Did he love baseball? Did he love baseball like you? I know you love baseball so much. Well, <laughs> um, he was the reason I love baseball. He became a Brooklyn Dodger fan when they signed Jackie Robinson in 47. Wow. And uh, I have the tick. Oh, my son has a ticket stub from uh, uh, Bobby Thompson's home run. My dad was at that game. Wow. And if Talk about a bit of history. Oh, it's... Um, so we were... Dodgers, fan, Dodgers weren't just like baseball to us. It was a sense of... Uh, it was like a social consciousness. Like, hmm. So, like, Koufax didn't pitch on Yom Kippur because he was Jewish. Jackie Robinson, you know, like being a black man playing baseball. So the Dodgers were something more than just baseball to us. Mm. And it came from my sister who's, I think she'd be okay with me saying to, that, you know, she's gay and, <laughs> which ironically, she's the only one that has a stable relationship in our entire family. So... When you think about happy, happiest of your days, just may, maybe it was just a day that you were watching a baseball game, as simple as that? Um, well, it was it, always at night. Um, it was, um, we, um, on Wednesday nights, if the Dodgers were in uh, LA, they were the Wednesday late night games on the radio. It's not that long ago. It's not like we had television. I think at the time we had some sort of cable. <clears throat> but my father would tell the nuns that we were going to be late getting into school on Thursday because we stayed up late watching baseball or listening to baseball on Wednesday nights. So we'd all lay up against my father on Wednesday nights and listen to Vince Scully in baseball. Wow. What, um, we have Adam who's in, in, in the course of just a couple of weeks of talking more regularly with Adam doing, doing this uh, program together. 
he's dropped so many little ideas into my head. I'm like getting up in the morning, I'm meditating because he gave me an app. I bought a, a great uh, gratefulness journal uh, <laughs> that I'm writing my things. That I'm for. Adam's basically putting me to my, through my paces and giving me assignments. Good for you, Adam. Oh, yeah. He's, um, he's making me realize like, wow, I have to lower my voice and listen better. I, he's make me, making me learn a lot of stuff. But um, I'm just wondering why we have Adam here. Is there anything about, I mean, your project, your book, your refugee book, is there anything practical, mm -hmm. any advice, um, anything at all that you want to just pose that he's very motivational. He might, he might be able to come up with a little something to plant in your brain. Oh yeah. I definitely have been cooking up a few things over here, but um, <laughs> the first thing that, that really, you know, you know, got to me is when you said it was fear and, you know, you have a lot of fear, you know, on the inside and, you know, mm -hmm. that's a mindset that can be really harmful. And, you know, again, like with the pre perfection paralysis can really paralyze you. So one thing that I would, you know, invite you to, you know, take a look at is the growth mindset, you know, be willing to learn, be willing to try new things and use the kind of the book for, for that to happen because, you know, you've probably never published a book before. You've probably never, you know, shopped a book around or shared, you know, a physical, you know, representation of your art. You know, again, your baby, this is like your passion. This is so much of your time and energy went to this. It's scary. I know I was scared whenever I released my album and I got something wrong. Like one of the instrumental songs was marked explicit and I had a, like a mini meltdown and I was like, oh no. But I was like, who cares? It, it takes a week to change and I changed it. So I would invite you to think, you know, how can I grow from this book rather than, you know, how can this book put fear in my life or how can my actions put fear? And coming from a place of courage rather than a place of fear can really help help those decisions. So back before uh, kind of going back a few conversations ago with the uh, the Broken's Beautiful, uh, as soon as you said that, you know, that kind of popped, you know, some some more Eastern philosophy is something I'm really interested in and Lo and behold, mm. my you know denim company Japan comes out from them, but um, <laughs> it's the uh, the art of kintsuki, and what that means is to uh, kind of uh, like, kintsuki. Yeah, okay. have you heard of it before? Cool, cool, cool. No, no, no. I just oh man, right. this is this is a good one. You're gonna like this. Um, so it is the art of repairing broken pottery, ceramics, and teacups um, with gold. So oh, I I do know this. I yeah. do know this. So that is you know. You, it may be broken, but the fact that you put it back together and still use it and still marvel at it makes it even yeah, more beautiful. Make it better. Exactly. So, you know, that, that's something that, you know, is kind of I've adopted there. And that's especially been adopted with, you know, um, Japanese denim and, you know, the selvage denim. There's the uh, shashiko repairs where, you know, things get ripped off, but then right, there's, right, you, right, know, right. The, you know, the, the white kind of like Xing over top of it. And also the the philosophy of the the wabi sabi of you know what's you know worn and rustic and sometimes even melancholy can be beautiful as well. So just you know those those elements and those kind of you know mindful practices can really just kind of make things look you know more beautiful than they do somber. So I, I would invite you to think that hey you know even though what I'm thinking about or how I feel about myself is broken. Even if I'm still there and you still show up, like you said, that's the beauty of it. You're still there. You're still continuing to go forward and you're not looking backwards. You're looking forward. That's the beauty in it. I know. I, yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. I, I agree. I think like, 
um, I think it's easy to fall back and, um, and like those dire, you know, those dire straits. Do you want to, um, you to know, Henry, that I would absolutely love if you come, come pay us a regular visit, uh, and talk and continue and talk and share. I would love, um, really love it if you would uh, share some, some images um, maybe that we could put up in, in our, in, in our Instagram feed. Just Oh, you're welcome to any, any images. You just yeah, tell give, me the ones. Give us, give us one once in a while um, that, that, that may be special for our, you know, for our purposes to a certain degree. And we're all going to get together in the same city, in the same place and do something fun and easy together. I'll never forget one of the best things that ever happened in my life. Uh, one of the most extraordinary nights was the night that you met me in in Hudson. You came to my yeah. my hometown in the country, and we watched a movie that changed my life. And I'll never forget sitting there with you and and uh, and our friend Gage, and um, we didn't speak that much. We were just three people who had a very urgent need to sit together and experience something together because we had bonded through this techno, this, this electrical thing, the internet, but we had not had a moment to be together. I'll never forget when you got off that Amtrak train and I hugged you and then mm. you came to my home and we, we sat in my living room to, 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 to think of putting together so many things that are so beautiful to me in, in one place it was so beautiful, but you brought, you brought that film to my life. And I did not know Salgado. And I, wow, let me tell you, um, that story, that, that, really, that really shook me up. The, the, the definition of the man who runs towards danger, who, who goes to document uh, the, the injustices of the world and the horrors of the world. Well, I mean, that's a very powerful. I went, I, yeah, absolutely. I went from sleeping on a couch in a loveless relationship to facing rubber bullets in three months because of that movie. Um, <laughs> rubber bullets are, they, they won't kill you. I don't think they will, but they hurt like a son of a bitch. I went to uh, Standing Rock and was faced by gas and they don't you can run away if you want but if you want to be there it's going to hurt right so it hurt like a son of a bitch um i was there because of that movie um i think i met you and i idealize like our friendship because of that movie and the, the and, and more important you know the experiences it brought about so when i went to paris to face rubber bullets and gas it didn't scare me um it 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 just made me feel more forthright in what i wanted to document um, well, we're going to hold you to getting your book out and maybe there's ways that Adam and I can further 
help you get your book done and out. Oh, oh cool, 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 cool. And, sorry, I got I got on a tangent. I'm sorry. Uh, not a tangent at all. I we're, forgot we I forgot we were recording. We're gonna put in the in the. That's actually good that you forgot. That's the that's when you really speak from the heart. Um, mm -hmm. we'll put the in the show notes a link to the movie, the Salgado movie. Um, oh, you have to salt of the earth. You have to. It really is. A, it's one of those change your life movies. It is. And, 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 and watching that with you has been one of the greatest joys of my life. Yeah, that was, the, that was one of the greatest hits of 19, uh, 19, 2018. Uh, I, I looked back and just thought, um, wow, that was just sitting quietly with friends could be the most powerful experience of all. You know, watching a movie, just watching a movie. And what a movie. I, I agree. It's, I think that we get lost in the grandeur and we forget the little moments. Um, that was a little moment that, I mean, come on. It, 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 I, I saw you looking back at me because, first of all, I think you were checking that I wasn't asleep. <laughs> um, but I think that you were also checking to let me know that you found this fascinating. I love that. Well, I'm very grateful when people share the things that change their lives because I think sharing those things with other people is is a very, very great gift. And I I like talking and need to talk to you because you're one of those people who can teach me things about life that I can't know on my own. We could all do that. We can all do that. I everybody can teach somebody else something but you're i i'm just gonna have to embarrass you and say you're you're an artist you really yeah. are you have an artist sensibility and maybe one maybe one day maybe one day you'll fully grasp that but you are you're an artist you organize the world and all and it's chaos and everything else into an image and they're beautiful images and um i'm i'm really really grateful instagram it's not a lot about it i don't love but let me tell you i'm glad that I met you. I'm glad that I met this guy. And I'm really excited that we're going to meet some other people and hopefully yeah. continue to grow this, this community of people who just like want to listen and tell our stories together and share together and help each other. Yeah. Well, Albert, I love you. You like Adam, right? Isn't he cool? That's <laughs> the best. <laughs> all right, guys, that was amazing. I'm, I'm really glad that Henry able to share all that stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show. So thank you so much again, Henry Lohmeyer. You can check him out on Instagram. We're going to put his uh, link in the photo to the link and his uh, photos in the show notes there. So this has been it for the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast with Adam Glinsky and Albert Imperato. Thanks for listening. <laughs>